I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast, your home for deer hunting news, stories, and strategies. And now, your host, Mark Kenyon. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kenyon, and this is episode number 91. Today in the show, Dan and I are joined by my shed hunting fanatic friend, Ross Hausman, to discuss strategies for finding more shed antlers. All right, welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast brought to you by Sitka Gear. And today, as I just mentioned, we're talking shed hunting. And it's mid-February right now at this moment. And if you're at all like me, you're probably dying to get your hands on some antlers. Or maybe you've already had your hands on some antlers this year. I'm not sure. I certainly haven't. But either way, our plan for today is to talk shed hunting strategies. And we're going to be joined by one of my good friends and one of the best shed hunters I know, Ross Hossman. So between Ross, Dan, and myself, hopefully we'll be able to share a few tips that can help you have your best shed hunting season ever. So Dan Johnson, are you getting the shed hunting itch yet? Oh yeah. I, let's see, my, my plan was to go shed hunting Monday of this week and it snowed six inches. And as we all know, it's hard to go a, it's hard to go while it's snowing, and B, it's even harder to go with a lot of snow on the ground. So, yeah, yeah. I didn't get out, and it made me mad. How did you? How are you going to go on a Monday, dude? I work for a multinational corporation. I get every federal holiday off. Oh, it was President's Day, wasn't President's it? President's Day, yeah. So, see, my boss is a jerk. He doesn't let me take that day off. Yeah, so I totally forgot yeah, about he, it. <laughs> he's an a hole. He really everybody is. Know, everybody knows it. <laughs> That's the truth. <laughs> so you didn't get to go shed hunting. Did you do anything? Did you get to dream about shed hunting or doing yeah, map, map searching or anything? I did a little bit of podcast stuff. I did a little bit of writing. I did a little bit of um, like daydreaming. I, I, you know, you go to Google Maps and you can just spend hours on that. But I did go to uh, Shields, which is uh, the, it's like a smaller version of. Cabela's and uh I shot a couple bows as in like just shot them for fun or are you thinking about just, buying it yeah. well I'm, I'm not 100% sure yet um I I went and I, I there's a couple bows I you know on 
on my podcast, I do kind of a bow review thing. Yep. And uh, everybody's given this one bow a lot of props. And I wanted to go test it out and see what it was like. And I must be the only person in the world who doesn't like that bow, particular bow. Cause I wasn't a huge fan of it. And, uh, but I shot a couple other ones and then you walk around and you dream about, Oh man, that tent would be cool. Or, Hey, those pair of boots would be cool. Or, Hey, I don't ever use a kayak, but I would, I would, that would be cool if I had a kayak. <laughs> yeah. I can relate to that. Those stores are dangerous, man. Very dangerous. Yeah. Most of the time I leave my credit card in the, in my car. So I don't get tempted to buy, to buy his stuff while I'm there. See, my biggest issue right now is, you know, I, I don't live close to any major stores or anything. and I don't, I don't leave the house all that much, but I've got Amazon Prime. And so it's just way yeah. too easy for me to buy anything I could possibly think of on Amazon. Just like I'll be sitting on my couch right. and if I pull up that Amazon app, I know I'm in, I'm in trouble because it's just right. way too easy. Just one button. It's bought. It's to my house in two days. It's, it's not a good thing for my checking account. Yeah. I, uh, I, I need to, I need to shut it down for a while. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm an impulse buyer, so it's, it's not even close to season. And usually I try to, you know, I do most of my, my purchasing closer towards the season, which is dumb because then you're paying more for the product. But, you know, here I'm going, man, I, I really wish I had this grunt call or I really wish I had this or I really, man, maybe I should buy another uh, tree stand <laughs> or, man, you know, it's like one of those, you can never, it's like those, those, uh, what's that one guy who's like, I'm at Larry Potterfield. Thank you for your business. <laughs> the Midway, the Midway USA guy, right? Yeah. Midway USA. Yeah. I just, every time that commercial comes up, he's like, how many guns do you need? Just one more. That's kind of like, <laughs> kind of like me with archery equipment. Yeah. How, how many tree stands do you need? Just one more. It's uh, a sickness, dude. Yeah. So have you been out shed hunting yet? A little bit, not like really seriously. I've just been walking my, uh, my couple main spots in Michigan, kind of lightly taking, taking my dog out for a walk and, checking the food plots and stuff like that. Um, so far, nothing. Um, yeah. But this spot, I wasn't really expecting too much. The food plots, I thought might pull in some deer. So there's a spot on one of the neighboring properties that usually I get permission to shed hunt. So I just got to double check on that and get permission, and, and then I'll be able to walk that. And, and that's where a lot of deer that I think that are feeding in these food plots are probably bedded. So if I can get permission to shed hunt there, I think I've got a chance. But the rest of the property, as far as food sources, is uh was all chiseled up so there's the food's not there like it usually is so uh yeah. i don't have the highest of hopes for that area so so really i've got uh shed hunting plans for this weekend uh we'll be hitting a buddy's couple properties that are supposed to be pretty good um that'll be fun and then i have got a couple like long weekend trips planned for the coming weeks and and that'll really be probably the extent of of my of my shed hunting right. season so right how how many times are you gonna get to go out Let's see. The Iowa Deer Classic is March 4th and 5th and 6th or something like that, somewhere that weekend, that first weekend in March. So I'm planning on going the weekend after that. That historically for me has been my the best times to go out as far as finding quantity. Now, the biggest antlers I've ever found have been in mid to late February. I'd go out and, you know, you find one or two. But as far as cleaning up shop, 
my best hunting shed hunting days i think i found like eight or nine sheds in one day and that nice. was that was like mid early to mid-march yeah yeah hard to beat march that's for sure yeah yeah ah <sighs> yeah i got a que- i got a question for you yeah of all the people that you've had this is the kind of the, the funny question i'm bringing it back today just for you okay if you could have a beer with any any of the previous wired to hunt guests who would it be oh man uh wow that I'm is a good you question. on the spot you are uh hmm uh, you know, I, I guess I would go one of two ways. I think I would either go with – there's pretty much almost anyone we've had in the show I would love to have a beer with. There's, I mean, yeah. I, I could pick almost anyone. But if I had to choose people who I would, I would be like really want to – really, really, really want to pick their brain about some stuff, probably one would be Donnie Vincent. Just because he's gone some crazy places, done some crazy things, you know, more non-whitetail related, but would love to pick his brain about some of those adventures he's been on. And then the other guy probably would just have to be the mad scientist, Mark Drury. I just love his attention to detail with all the little things. You know, that episode was like so much fun for me just because I I geek out about all that stuff. So I think I would love to sit and have a beer and, and dive into more of that stuff. So that's me. What about you? Dude, I tell you what, after listening to Randy Newberg and then listening to his podcast, I think that dude would just be awesome to hang out with. You're right. I I totally forgot about that. He was, he just, he was just on the show and I already didn't even think about him, but you're right. Randy would be a good guy to talk to. And not even talk about, you know, necessarily hunting per se, just hanging out with the dude, maybe, uh, maybe eight hour car ride type deal. (laughs) <laughs> yeah he he does seem like a fun guy to talk to and he's got you know great perspective on a lot of stuff too yeah um get the good the good old minnesota accent still too <laughs> hey would you rather hang out with randy newberg or ross hossman <laughs> Well, I gotta Our pick. Guest on today's show, <laughs> I gotta pick. I gotta pick Ross because he's on next. I don't want to offend him on this episode. <laughs> I actually will be hanging out with Ross here in a couple weeks, uh, which is always a good time. So, so yeah, our guest Ross Hossman, uh, he is like I mentioned, he's one of my good friends, one of my good hunting buddies. Um, he's been a serious deer hunter for as long as I've known him, and he moved to Iowa. I don't know, maybe a decade ago or something like that, and he's been piling up really nice deer and, and filmed for wired to hunt for a number of years so so some of you guys and girls listening might recognize him from some of our past video episodes um but he is just a shed hunting fanatic like as soon as january hits it seems like i'm just getting pictures texted to my phone every other day it seems like of some other shed he found he's got a new pile of sheds so he's uh he's someone i usually really hate at this time of year because i'm really jealous <laughs> of everything he's doing uh but he's got a lot of experience with this stuff so I think he'll uh, he'll be able to share some good insight and some of his experiences. I think will be helpful. So, you uh, you excited to maybe learn a thing or two from Mr. Ross Haas? I'm ready. All right, let's uh, take a quick break then to hear from our sponsors of this podcast, Sitka Gear, and then we'll give Ross a call. 
Alright, so as we do every week, we're joined now by Sitka product category leader, Dennis Zuck. And today, I want Dennis to talk a little bit about the importance of keeping our hands warm during a hunt and how gloves or other apparel can help. Here's Dennis. Yeah, and the importance, I mean, if you think about it, that last thing that makes that hunt come together is you being able to make a shot, you know, and use your, you know, your hands are all part of that. You know, and when, you know, if you think about blood flow in your body, you know, the your hands are the furthest from your heart. So there's a little, you know, the technical term is vasoconstriction, but it's basically your body protecting itself. And it'll start stopping blood to your fingers, which is when that numbness sets in. And the longer that happens, you know, the harder it is to recover. So even if you start to get warm, it, it still keeps you cold. You know, so in, as hunters, we, we roll in this world of a paradox between how do I keep myself warm, yet how do I keep the tactility and the dexterity in place to be able to make that critical shot when I need to? You know, so we spend a lot of time in our peril development, too, thinking about, you know, maybe a glove isn't always the right answer, or maybe it's some hybrid between the, the pouch we put in a product and then the flip mitts that we have in our Fanatic hoodie. Um, so we're always trying to think about how to wear in that paradox, but manage managing the fact that you have to keep your hand warm. Is And who, who hasn't had a deer come in and grab their bow and have that really cold metal conduct into their hand for 30 minutes, you know, so thinking about that, that contact point, you know, but your hands are absolutely a critical part of the equation. So important. In fact, it was the foundation of our Fanatic series. All right. Well, if you'd like to learn more about Sitka Gear's Fanatic series or their gloves or other hand warming options, visit SitkaGear.com. And now let's give Ross a call. All right, with us now on the show is Ross Hossman. Welcome to the show, bud. Hey, good to be here. It's Hossman, by the way. All these years, and you still get it wrong. Jeez. Are you serious? I've always... I like the way it rhymes. Yeah, I know. It's probably because Peter says that still, so... that That's probably yeah. it. I, I, I want to call you Hoss Rossman, so... Be, yeah, be, I know that. That's all right. Be glad I didn't do that. Um, so. Still still get it wrong. That's right. Hell I'll well. be completely honest with you, Ross. I When I when he said Ross Haas, like I didn't know your last name was Haasman. If, if your name yeah. was Ross Haas, I close my eyes and I picture a competitive eater. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I don't know if that's what he looks like. I guess oh. there's the – I mean you definitely aren't the – the Asian competitive eater type. <laughs> no, I eat pretty well though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fair enough. No. So, so we're we're doing a very good job of digressing and stay quickly. Wired to hunt. <laughs> yeah, that's it for today. <laughs> what we're trying to talk about is shed hunting today. Um, and before we got on Ross, we were talking about a little bit about you and how I, you know, we think you're a shed hunting fanatic, one of the guys that I know that shed hunts the most. Um, but I want to try to see just how much of a shed hunting fanatic you are before we re- really dive into things. So I want to bring up a story from last November. I was down in Iowa, and we were at your campground before heading out to hunt one day at lunch. And we're sitting around there talking about, you know, how stressed we were about this and that and everything. And you said, I believe that you actually prefer shed hunting over hunting. Is that true? Yeah, I did say that. But I was thinking about that, too, afterwards. And did I shoot my deer when I said that, or was did I not have a deer then? You had not shot your deer by then. You shot your buck, like, okay. uh, two or three days later. Yeah, that is pretty crazy then. See, I was thinking I said that after I shot my deer, which would make sense, but 
But uh, I think the reason I like shed hunting so much is because I just get so, like, you know, I get so stressed out when I'm bow hunting and during the season. And I just like shed hunting so much more because it's so much more laid back and the weather's nice and it's just a good time to be out in the woods. But <laughs> I don't know that I could pick shed hunting over over bow hunting. That'd be pretty tough. I know I said that, but <laughs> I think it's I think it's pretty it's pretty tough to pick one over the other. They all have their their pros and, and cons. But I would I would say I love shed hunting pretty much because it's a good time to get get together with a bunch of buddies have a good time and, and, uh, scout and then also of course find sheds. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you with that. I, I, uh, I definitely couldn't take shedding over regular bow hunting or deer hunting, but to your point, it's a lot of fun just from like the camaraderie standpoint and it's a lot more relaxed. Although sometimes I feel like it gets pretty intense when we're, uh, especially like towards the end of my, <laughs> towards the end of my trip, if I haven't found anything, I get, I get a little of that bow hunting stress, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Then, then you'll pick bow hunting over shed hunting and it can go both ways. Yeah, that's the truth. I think Corey, our friend Corey, I think he, I think he said before that he would almost shed hunt over bow hunt if given the, the choice too. Huh. I think you said that in the past. So I guess I'm not the only crazy one. Yeah, I, I've heard him say it too. Like we'll be eating breakfast, and he'll be gushing on about shed hunting, and he'll start talking about it. But I think to your point, Ross, when it comes right down to it, I think I don't think there's many guys that would actually choose it. But there's certainly some people that really, really love it, and and I get that. I, I love shed hunting too. Um, so that said, wanted to pick your brain a little bit, Ross, about, you know, how you've had so much success shed hunting in the past. But I guess to quantify that a little bit, uh, how, I'm curious, I think I've got an idea of this myself, but how often do you shed hunt? How many days a year would you say, if you had to guess, you shed hunt a year? Oh boy, I don't know how many days. I would say every weekend um, from probably the second week of January to through March all the way up until turkey season. Um, I've been I've had the luxury of having the chance to be able to get out every weekend, but uh, now things are going to change because I have a baby on the way. She's she or he I don't know what it is um, is due in April, so things are going to change. But I know uh, my wife loves doing it too, um, and I know we're still going to try to get out as much as possible. But I would say I would say every weekend my wife Kendall and I are are trying to get out and, and shed hunt. So, um, for a good, good four months. Yeah. So what, that's almost four months times, uh, four weekends a month. So that's a lot of days. That's, that's yeah. a lot of shit. Yeah. 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 It's a lot of, a lot of shed hunting. So how oh. many, do you know how many sheds you found last year? Last year we found, last year we found 58, I believe. And, and every year we think to find a little bit more. Do you have any idea how many total? Any or anything no, I, like ballpark? I actually, I have no idea. And I used to, I used to be able to like pick up any of the sheds, tell you exactly where it was from. I could picture where it was laying, but now it's getting to the point where we have so many that that I don't even remember anything about some of those sheds anymore. So I would, that is probably a, somewhat of a, a mental. <laughs> mental disease there, knowing where all the sheds came from and being able to picture it all and stuff like that. But I just get to the point now where I'm also a hoarder and I have so many sheds that I can't remember <laughs> where they're even from. So 
So yeah, we found a lot. We've found a lot over the over the years, and we start now that we're getting to know the deer better in the area where we shed hunting, and we know where to focus. It's getting getting to be easier to find them, and then we're just starting to find more too. So you found fifty some last year, and I think if I remember right, the year before that you found over fifty. Um, and it seems like every year you're finding somewhere in that ballpark. Um, have you found any yet this year? I, I know the answer to that, but <laughs> how many have you found this yeah, year? Well, it's been such a mild, it's been such a mild winter that we've gotten a pretty early start in a lot of places like, and I'm in Iowa, so I obviously I have a advantage there as far as finding sheds, but, but where, where we're at in Iowa, far, far. So I'm damn before far, far northwest Iowa is where we live, where there's tons of bucks. <laughs> yeah. It's just really, really close to the Minnesota border, and uh, there's a there's a lot of deer up there. You're gonna and, uh, you're so you're so generous with your information, Ross. <laughs> what what yeah. county? Far, far, what county is it? Uh, what would that be like, Floyd or something like that, or? Uh, you know, like there's know. there's like ten guys from Floyd, Iowa, right now, just cursing at the podcast. <laughs> or yeah, I, I go. <laughs> I go. We go up there a lot, and then we just go to your, you know, your southern Iowa. You know where Dan's at. We go down there all the time too. Oh so. yeah, <laughs> so we, huge deer decline down there. Huge deer decline. You know what? This year. You know what's funny, Dan? I don't know if I don't know if I told you this or connected the dots, but. On one of our past podcast episodes, you had talked about some specifics of some spots that you hunted in the past, um, describing some of your deer that you've seen, blah, blah, blah. So just from the little bit that Ross had heard about you from me and what he heard on the podcast, he pinpointed exactly where your property was. And he texted me a picture and he says, is this Dan's property? <laughs> and it was. It was yeah. your spot. <laughs> yeah. One Dan, Dan gives up too much info sometimes. That is for sure. Yeah, I, and so hey. I, I actually kind of make a game out of it too. Whenever you, whenever people say stuff like that, I can try to find it. You got, you got to be more tight-lipped, Dan. Jeez. No, I have since that since that happened. I have been more tight-lipped because I've had people message me going, "Hey, uh, do you hunt on so and so's property?" I'm just like, uh, no. And I, <laughs> I want to be clear. I would never be one of those guys that would just show up and I just. I just am, I, I'm always yeah, right. on, you know, like Google yeah, Earth right. and all that stuff. And no, really. <laughs> you wonder well, now if you're not hunting there, maybe I'll, I'll swoop in and hunt there. 50, 50, 50 sheds a year, and you're not you're not going on uh, your buddy's properties behind their back. Yeah, right. No, no, no. Yep, all permission. I find it. Yep, uh, yes. I'll be clear that way too. No trespassing whatsoever. That's a big problem with with shed uh, hunters. So that is true. That's uh definitely don't want people to think that although although i do wonder you know dan we had a rough go at it shed hunting your place last year i wonder if uh someone might have got in there before us (laughs) right yeah i think i know uh know what his name is (laughs) it does not rhyme with hoss (laughs) oh man so dan what now that we're on the topic of how many sheds a year i think the most i've ever found in a year is like 12 or 13 but that's because i live in michigan and i only find sheds when i go to other states for a day or two what's the most you've ever found in a year no ross let me ask you a question real quick is that 50 between a group of people or 50 you by yourself no no no. uh my wife and i and then i have a shed dog too 
So between, oh, okay. between us. Yep. I gotcha. I gotcha. All right. So I think my best year, I was unemployed and living with my parents. And I, I think I shed hunted 30 days. Wow. And I found, I think, 32 sheds and everything from the big boys to like a little fork, fork horns. So like 32. Did you, do you measure your antlers at all? I can't remember. Um, if, if they're substantial, yes, but if they're average, no. Do you remember the size of your biggest shed? 74 and a half inches. Okay. I think. My biggest was uh, the Mark Kenyon shed that I found in your place. And what was that? Was that 65 inches? Is that right? I think it was 65 on the dot. Yeah. What about you, Ross? Um, I got, uh, one that's 71 and then Kendall's got the two big ones that are right at 75. Nice. Have you found any yeah, big ones this year? 70 inch set. No, not really. Uh, I found one 70 inch here, and then I guess when shed hunting down here, at least where we're at, like a six, anything over 60 inches is a pretty good shed. And you don't find too yeah. many of those every year where we're at. Everything else is a lot of, you know, like two year olds, and then they'll be like the, you know, the 55 inch or, or you know, from the three-year-olds and stuff like that, but like getting up over 60 inches is, get, is actually pretty tough to find. And then a 70-inch or bigger side in this in the area where I shed hunt is pretty. That's a pretty nice shed. I'd love to find an 80-inch or something. That'd be the. That'd be awesome. That'd be crazy. So, yeah, that's yeah, uh, that, that's the goal. Yeah, I think you got a pretty good chance of finding one. I think both of you two probably have a good chance of finding one. I uh, if I ever hit the 70-inch mark, that'll probably be the best I could ever do. But uh, if it, you ever hit the seventy-inch mark, it's because you cut in front of one of us on <laughs> on the way back to the truck or something. Yeah, you're probably didn't right. You spot, Mark, didn't you spot a seventy-incher last year? I. <laughs> Are you talking about the wasn't infamous Ohio trip? Yeah, wasn't that a seventy-incher? That's where that was, wasn't that? It was pretty darn well. close. There's a there's a guy that you know, uh, Dan, named uh, a, a fellow named Corey, who. Uh, We've all three joked about. <laughs> I think I didn't. Did I tell the story of, of how Corey shed poached me in Ohio last year? Oh, he. Oh, in Ohio. So that that's the second time he shed poached you. Yeah, yeah. You you know the one he shed poached me in Iowa. We we've, we've talked about that. Well, I, I witnessed it. You witnessed it. You called him out too. Well, okay. Let's get this straight. I think before we we throw uh, Corey under the bus, we got to talk a little bit about the rules of shed hunting. <laughs> Right, we we do we do uh, have to do. That, I suppose we we reviewed them last year. I think, but it's always worth tossing out the rules that at least that we generally follow. Right, right. You want to you want to take 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 it away, Mark? No, I'll say you can. Well, I guess let me. I'll, th- I'll throw out the ones I can think of right now. I think these are right. pretty well in line with uh, Ross, what you guys practice. I think every different group of people that shed hunt together have like some unwritten rules of shed hunting, some basic kind of guiding principles, um, right. To, to being like a fair shed hunter. So there's kind of this basic thing, you know, you know, if you're hunting, if you're shed hunting together, typically you'll pick, okay, I'm going to walk here. So-and-so is going to walk there. So-and-so is going to walk there. And usually you try to follow that and not, you know, too much encroach on your neighbor's places. So they have a chance to see something just as much as you do. Um, another popular rule is if you find, one side of an antler and your buddy found the other side of that deer before you, you should give that antler to the first person who found it. 
um, so that they can have that match set. Um, what else? Is there any other ones? If you if you end up killing the buck, you got to give the sheds back. Uh, yeah. If somebody kills the buck, you got to give the sheds back. That that's an important one. That's a good one for sure. Anything else for you, Ross? Do you got? Do we follow any other things that I'm not thinking of? Uh not. Yeah, you don't pick. You got. You don't pick it up until Ross can swoop over and take a picture of it that's <laughs> laying on the ground. You gotta do that. <laughs> that's true. That's that's another point. If if anybody saw the article I posted on wiredhunt.com last week, it was uh, like it was. I called it like training for shed hunting, and it was 40 pictures of sheds as they lay. Um, those pictures were yours, Ross. Um, of course, you ask that no one picks up a shed until you get a picture of it where it was, and you've you've saved all those pictures over the years, haven't you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I have, I have tons of pictures. I don't know. This is my favorite. My favorite part about it is when you first see the shed, you know. So I just like taking a snapping a picture of where it laid. I don't know. It's weird, but <laughs> Dude, it's not weird. It's not weird. I do the same thing. Thanks, thank. Thanks, Dan. Really appreciate it. it. Makes you feel better. <laughs> do you ever do you ever do what I told people to do on that blog post? Do you ever look back at them to like just kind of like re like before the shed hunting season starts, just to kind of get your eye attuned again to picking up the little things? Uh, you know, I never like look back purpose. Like I just I look at those pictures all year round. I just like you know every so often I'll flip through them and just kind of just remember all the sheds. So, I mean, I'm always looking at that stuff <laughs> all the time. Always looking at deer, always looking at maps, always looking at sheds. So, yeah, we, so, yeah. the three of us definitely have an issue. That's for sure. <laughs> so, I got a question for you, Ross. Since you've got a shed dog, has your shed find totals gone up drastically? I mean, is this dog helping you pull a lot of bone? Not, I wouldn't say drastically. You know, she she's getting better every year, but I wouldn't say drastically. Because most of the sheds, a lot of times when we're out, most of the sheds, um, you know, if you're not in like thick cover or like thick, or you, if you're not in like CRP or if you're not in a cut cornfield, a lot of times you're spotting it before the dog or the dog's a lot of times out in front of you and picking it up before before you do, and you usually would probably pick it up anyways. Like the only, the only I don't know, the areas I... I think she does really well in are like the grassy areas where you can't see very well or see very far. She can use her nose really well. And then the corn stubble, she does really good in the corn. Because cornfields can be really tough, obviously, shed hunting. They, they can be uh, difficult to, to stay focused and, and find sheds. She does really well when she she can work back and forth and use her nose to pick up any of the sheds that you miss in cornfields. She's, she's probably upped our total from more of like the, the cornfields and the, the CRP or the grassy areas and stuff like that. But but a lot of the sheds that we find, you know, are they're not like too difficult to spot, I would say. You know, if that makes sense. How how did you go about training your dog? What was your what was your kind of regimen to get her up to doing this? I uh, at first just just playing fetch at first, you know, with an antler, and then she'd only get the antler, obviously, whenever we were working. And so she, um, you know, after that, it just started getting better at that. Then we we just kind of started in the backyard, just hiding the shed, um, having her look for it. And then we just kind of progressed and made it harder and harder and harder and harder. I don't know that I did it, like, you know, 
exactly how they would recommend, but, but she does really well now. And she has a, she has a really, um, um, she gets really excited about sheds. So like yesterday, for example, we got, we have some of our, our sheds that we found this year laying out and the other night she was standing by them and she'll go over and she'll smell them and she'll lick them and she'll just stand there and you'll be sitting at maybe sitting on the couch and she'll just stand there and look back at you and just stare at you. And then she'll look at the sheds <laughs> and she'll look back at you and stare at you and then she'll lick the sheds and she'll smell them and she'll look back at you and she's just like, why are we sitting here when we could be out <laughs> looking for sheds? Like she's, She's so funny. She'll stick her nose over in those sheds all day long. She can't have them unless she's working for them. But, <laughs> um, but, but that just keeps her, I guess, her desire for them pretty strong. I don't know. Yeah. So, I don't let her. I don't let her chew on sheds or anything like that, or have them. I don't let her have them all the time. I don't know if that's something those guys do, but, but she just seems to want it more than. Yeah, it's it's definitely nice to have that just strong desire from the dog to to find those antlers and just to associate that that thing, the antler, with like a good time. I know that with Booner, with my dog, whenever I grab an antler in the house, he just gets stoked. He gets psyched out of his mind. He starts bouncing off the walls, and like he he's like, "All right, it's go time!" And he'll just be as soon as you open the door, he just tears outside, and he thinks it's shed hunting time. So uh, it's it's fun to see how excited they get. That's for sure. Oh yeah, she's she's uh she's pretty awesome. She's uh she's a good dog. And the only reason she would be way better if her if the guy training her was better at it. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. So you said that you start you started shed hunting pretty early this year because of how mild it was. But when do you usually start shed hunting, and and why do you start at that time? Yeah, we got. I suppose I started talking. You know, we we start probably the middle of January. Every area is a little different when deer shed, but the region kind of where we're at or that, that area where we're at, a lot of times deer are shedding pretty early. Um, and so we, we a lot of times find our best sheds or some of our bigger sheds immediately following kind of the deer season. So like that middle of January, towards the end of January, we always usually pick up some really nice sheds. So we, um, we start around then and, uh, in the in the early part, we usually just focus more on like the the fields and the edges and all that stuff. We don't really go into the timber or anything like that. But we usually um, can pick up some nice sheds pretty early on, at least where I'm at. And then, what what time of year do you think is just your best time of year in general? Like, if you could only pick like one week a year to go shed hunting, what would be your top week on average? Probably just the you know the first what everybody says the first couple weeks of March, whenever the snow melts, pretty much. But uh, this year we've been, this year we found we've, we're up to 29 now so far this year, but it's been so mild. So we've been able to shed hunt and do a better job because there hasn't been as much snow. Um, so we've been able to cover a lot more ground and, and spot more sheds for, compared to like last year or years prior. There's a lot more snow in February. So usually we find a bunch in January. February starts to slow down a little bit because there's a lot of snow usually. And then, of course, when the snow melts, it picks up again. Do you, Speaking of snow, I'm curious what you think about this too, Dan, but first, Ross, I guess. Do you think there's anything to shed hunting being better on years where there's lots of snow because the deer will be, you know, 
kind of in tighter in a certain areas and won't be roaming as much versus years where there's hardly any snow and then the deer are just everywhere. Have you ever, have you found that to be true at all? Yeah. Uh, let's see. Was that two years ago when it was really cold everywhere? Like we had, yeah. no, it was two years ago when we had like 20 days below zero or something like that for the highs for the day or something like that. I don't know what it was. We had quite a bit of snow and the deer were a lot more concentrated and actually, that year, the difference from that year compared to other years, a lot of times we don't find a ton of match sets, but that year we found a lot of match sets. So I just gathered from that that the deer were spending a lot more time, you know, in a smaller area and not roaming as much. But that's kind of what I figured from that. But yeah. and when it's when winter, yeah, when it snows deeper, it's a little bit more predictable, I guess. You don't travel as far. Have you found that to be true, Dan? Well, I tell you, yeah, obviously they find the food source and uh, they stick to where it's at. But my my best the my best shed hunting season ever was a mild, a real mild February, not a lot of snow, and then towards the end of February there was just like this gigantic temperature drop and a ton of snow all at one time, and that made a lot of antlers pop off. And I found in a, in a three week period is when I, w- I found all my sheds. All there at the, be- all at the beginning of March. All at, like the last week of February and the, in the first two weeks of March. Yeah. Now, as, as they started, as, uh, it started winding down, they started to get chewed on. So I could tell they all dropped roughly at the same time. It's just, I didn't find them all at that same time. Right. Right. And that, I think all that makes sense. I think, uh, like you saw, Ross, that one year that we had the huge snow, uh, huge cold fronts and all that snow that year was one of the best years I ever – I think that was the year I had my best shed hunting year. Excuse me. And I think it was because, to your point, when you found one shed, usually you were finding three, four, five, six sheds in that same general area versus some years where it seems they're they're just scattered randomly all over the place and it's you find one and then you won't find another one for five hours and then you'll find one and it'll be then the next day or something like that while on that year it was like we would find you know like a dozen in or half a dozen in an hour so i kind of yeah, like that was that was the year that was the year when you were down right and we did really well wasn't that that year yeah that was the year where uh yeah, cory was... cory left the day before a really good day <laughs> Oh, that's too bad. More for us. <laughs> yes, we never we never told the Ohio shed story, Dan. That we I alluded to it, and then we got off topic. Um, if we never did tell them, that was the one where I don't know, Dan. Did I tell you this? Me and Corey were riding with a landowner. We had just gotten permission to shed hunt this property, and we were riding in the car with him past his property to to drop him back off at his house, and then we were going to go out and shed hunt. Um, and we're we're in, we're in the car. And we're driving down the road, and I look to my side out the window, and in this on this grassy hillside on the property, we just got permission to shed hunt. I see a giant shed, like split split G two, split brow tine, like awesome shed, and I'm just like, oh, and I just stand there and I'm just like staring at it. You know, usually when you're shed hunting, you, as you guys know, if you see a shed, you call it out and say, hey, shed, I got one. But since I was in the car, and the landowner was there, I didn't want to do that, and I don't know, just. Figured I'd wait till we got out of the car and me and Corey were on our own. And then we said, hey, I saw one and go get it. But like a couple seconds after I see it, Corey yells out, shed, shed, shed. (laughs) (laughs) 
he sees it and the landowner sees it. I'm like, oh man, he turns, Corey turns and looks at me. I'm like, yeah, I saw it like two or three seconds ago. Um, but yeah, right. Well, just wanted to <laughs> well, that's the thing. I, I couldn't prove that I saw it before. I mean, I wasn't going to make a big deal, but I, I joke. I don't, I don't really think Corey posted shed for me, but I like to give him a hard time about it. And, uh, he probably, he, <laughs> It made for for a good joke, but and it also it was a little bit of a bummer because he found that I we saw that shed. We went to go grab it, and then not like ten yards on the other side of that hill was the other side. So it was like a really really nice match set. Um, I think it was seventy inches or right real close to it. So it was a sweet match set, that's for sure. That wasn't yeah. And then there was that other time Corey found that thing was a seventy inch side. Oh, and. Uh, <laughs> you were walking and he tripped over it yeah. in the grass. <laughs> so, That's yeah. how I found my biggest shed ever. I stepped on it. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, there definitely are some people who just have the luck. Like we were walking through this whole area together that we thought was going to be really good and we didn't find anything. And so we were walking back to the car and we were just about back to the car and we're right next to each other. And it had been one of those days where I hadn't found anything all day. And I was kind of bumming about it. We'd been walking for eight or nine hours, you know, and, at that point, it's kind of getting to me. And I think Corey had found, you know, several. He'd found a bunch. And it just wasn't my day. And as we're walking back, like 50 yards before the car, I just hear his boot hit something and I hear a big clunk. And then he's like, oh, what's that? And then in my head, I just immediately was like, that son of a got a shed. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a nice one. Uh, that's the fun of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So... What about certain types of days or conditions? Are there any types of days or weather conditions or things like that that you have found are the best for shed hunting? Ross, what do you think about that? Well, yeah, I mean, of course, like cloudier days or days that are after a rain and it's cloudy or when it's wet and it's cloudy, those are the best days when you can see them the best. I don't, I have obviously... I like when the sun's shining because it's just a nicer day, but, but to find sheds or to spot them, it's way more, it's, it's just easier to, to spot them when it's, when it's cloudy or if there was just a light rain or if it's just wet right after snow melts and, uh, they really show up good then. Yeah. Would would you agree, Dan? Yeah. Wet. When it's wet, it's, and they just kind of pop out in the, in the timber. Yeah. Now here's a question. I've always wondered about this, you know, on those days, on those sunny days, like you talked about Ross, sometimes I'm thinking in my head, I'd like sunglasses because maybe there's a little bit of snow. So there's the bright snow and the bright sun and it's hurting my eyes a little bit. So I sit there and I think though, does, do the sunglasses impact my ability to spot the shed? So I'll, I'll put the glasses on for a while and then I start getting paranoid about it. And I take them off and then I put them back on, I take them off. I, I haven't decided yet if I think sunglasses are hindrance at all. To spotting sheds, do you, do you do either? You guys have an opinion on that? I, I'll wear sunglasses and I'll take them off. I'll put them on. I'll take them off. Put them on. I kind of go back and forth, but I don't know. A lot of times when I do that, I don't know which ones which ones better. So I feel the same way. That that's a question for the audience. Then maybe some people, some other people can chime in. If if anybody else has that dilemma, I'd be curious to know because you know with certain types of you know when you're fishing and stuff, there's certain types of sunglasses that help you see through water better. I wonder if there's if sunglasses or certain lens will help you will make the color of a shed pop out against you know against the background a little better. I don't know. There there could be something to that. Maybe someone could create shed hunting sunglasses. That's a product idea right there. 
Yeah, they'll mark it right up there with the uh, acorn cruncher. <laughs> so you're saying so you're saying you'd buy some then, right? <laughs> right, right. Sold. <laughs> so so uh Ross, you mentioned that you shed hunt a number of different places and you mentioned you don't trespass, it's all you know, it's all legal. Um Yeah. You how do make sure that's fair. Yeah, yeah. How do you get so many different places to shed hunt? Um you know, over the years, I just got to know people and then just ask them permission. So initially, just ask, you ask permission from one person, you get to know them a little bit better. Um, and then just by always wanting something a little bit better or just wanting to be able to walk more, you know, and there's always this, those fields or those places where you want to walk and then, you know, you got to get permission first. So it just grew and grew and grew. And uh, I just, I don't know. I just got to know people really well, and now, fortunately, um, I have permission on I don't, I don't, probably over a thousand acres where I do most of my shed hunting, and, and I'm really grateful for that. How many different properties is that? That's one, two. I don't know, like three, four, five, somewhere in there. And you, it seems but like every. Yeah, I was gonna say it seems like every year I talk to you, you're set, you're you're telling us I got permission on this new farm and that new farm and this new farm. Um, you definitely yeah. go ahead. Yeah, it's it's getting it's definitely getting tougher now too. So I'm so I'm so thankful I have a place to to go now. Um, but yeah, it just you know like the problem is like especially this year, February you're walking some stuff and you're you're trying to get out there and pick up the sheds and. Uh, kind of beat the competition too but then you you walk all your stuff and then you run out of ground so you gotta kind of scramble to find some more places to go too so i guess every year i just kind of add on a, a place or two and uh just kind of build do you ever walk any pieces twice like you'll walk it in february then you walk it again in march yeah everything walk oh geez i walk the same thing like geez oh, four three, four, five times. So, wow. for example... So how many, uh, how many times are you coming back to a place and finding a shed as opposed to, like, you walk it once, no sheds, you walk it again, that's when you're finding them? Uh, I've got a good couple good examples this year. So I walked, uh, let's see, end of January, walked uh, Cornfield, picked up three, and then we just went there last week, so that had been... It was probably like two weeks later, and then we picked up two more in the same area. Um, and then we'll probably go do that again towards March. And these are areas like I'm not walking into areas where I'm going to be bumping deer or pushing deer out of there. They're all areas where you can walk regularly and not affect the deer movement at all. So that's one thing. But So we'll go back there in March, and then we'll walk it again. I'm, I'm confident we'll be able to find another one or two. And then there's another another cornfield. We did the same thing this year again. Wow. Do you think that those are sheds? Do you think that you're actually those sheds weren't there when you went the first time, or do you think it's that just by doing it again you're able to spot some of these that you just missed the last time? Do you have any no, guess on that? I, I, yeah, these were definitely fresh, and then just because the area I was walking was pretty a pretty specific area, and and. Uh, the last two, especially, where there's no way you would have walked past them. 
and then just you know you can see the fresh blood on the, the pedicle or whatever too um and this morning i went out a couple hours before work actually and i uh driving down the, the driveway to the to the farm and i saw one laying off the off the road in the, in the hayfield that wasn't there i think it's all this must have uh fallen Saturday night because it snowed Sunday and it was just under the snow and it had a bloody base and stuff like that. So they're, I mean, they can fall at any time right now. So, so do you check your trail cameras at all this time of year to check for when most of the bucks are dropping or do you have most of your cameras pulled now? Yeah. Uh, I just pulled my last one. Today. You know, I have problems getting bucks on camera in winter for some reason. I have no idea. They're all, they're around, but I cannot get pictures of bucks. It's weird. I have no idea. But there's there's still a lot of deer holding, but I have trouble even getting pictures of bucks. So I don't really do very well with them in winter for some reason. Hmm. I don't know why that is. Dan, did you did but, you do your trail camera thing this year with the, with the putting your corn out and putting a camera on it? Yeah, but uh, then things kind of got busy, so the corn ran out, and we just put a another bag or two on it this last week, so. I, I've just been so busy this year that I, I haven't got to do what I typically do, and that's drop like a 1,000 pounds of corn over a period of two months uh, uh, in one spot. And, you know, you you get a lot of deer that come up to them, but, you know, just because it's a concentrated pile of corn doesn't mean that the deer are going to visit it. I mean, two years ago was a perfect example. I think I all I did was feed does. I had a one or two trail camera poles where I had a couple, a couple big bucks, but then they were gone. I mean, they stayed there for like a week and then they went somewhere else. There was that one so, year who knows? though. There's that one year where I came to shed on with you and you found like three sheds right by that pile, right? Yep. I did have a, I did have a year where, um, what was that last year or two years ago, I think two years ago. And, uh, I found two or three sheds in the pile of corn, <laughs> which makes shed hunting easy. Yeah. That's awesome. That's what you dream of. Right. Uh, yeah. It never seems to be that easy for me. I, I've, I've had food plots. I've been planting food plots for like, I don't know, seven years now or, or something like that. And most of the years I've put some kind of good winter food source in there, always hoping that, you know, I'd find a shed in one of those food plots someday. And I, Deer are hitting these food plots like crazy all January, February, um, year in and year out. I always have great activity in these food plots, um, but I have yet to find a single shed in one of my food plots. Even though I see these bucks out there every single stupid night, not in the food plot, not next to the food plot, hasn't happened for me yet. But I swear one of these days, hopefully it'll pay off. <sighs> but uh, speaking of finding sheds in certain places... Um, I'm curious, Ross, you hunt so many different, you shed hunt so many different spots compared to me. Um, do you approach how you shed hunt a new property for the first time different than properties that you know well? Do you have like a special strategy for your first walk on a new property? I don't, you know, probably not just because if, most times not because if I, if there's a new property I get permission on, I already know kind of what the deer are doing because I've seen it from the road probably. So I would I'd probably just do the same thing I do with all the other properties in that sense. But if it was something new that I never, you know, I don't know what's going on, usually I just 
kind of do a walkthrough first. Um, if it's early in the season, I'll walk the fields and the field edges not to bump deer and just get an idea of where the deer are at or where they're coming into the fields. And then you can look at maps and things like that, and you can get an idea of where the, the bedding areas are based on, like, maybe, um, you know, south-facing ridges close to some of the food sources and stuff like that. So maybe I, what I would probably do is, is bring up a map, look at it, guess where the deer are, and then go on foot without trying to bother deer too much and then kind of try to confirm that. And then once I know kind of where the deer are at, then I'd go back in when the time's right or, and, and walk along that area. That's probably how I would approach it. So then uh, then I, you kind of spoke to it a little bit, but then so for the properties that you do know, what does your typical shed hunt look like? Do you start a certain way and check out certain types of features, or do you just walk the entire property front to back, or how does that work for you usually? Uh, first, first thing, uh, like I said before too, like we'll walk the we'll walk the fields first, uh, pretty frequent, so several times from January through through um, you know up until like the snow melts, and uh, so field field wise, we'll we'll focus a lot on from shed hunting over the years. I wasted I used to waste a lot of time shed hunting areas where you know they looked like there were a lot of deer there, there were deer there, but they ended up just kind of wasting time and now I've shifted more towards focusing on on the food sources and like so the corn bean fields and stuff like that and I'm not shit hunting like food plots or anything like that they're just like really big agricultural fields so so field wise we'll focus a lot on like the whenever you have a field focus on like those those grassy areas within the field or sometimes there'll be like terraces that farmers will put in the fields those are areas like where a lot of times deer will bed down at night and chew their cud. And for some reason, it seems like that is where deer shed the most. I mean, you can have you could have a bean field, and then you could have uh, an entire bean field. And bean field is really easy to find a shed in, and you can walk that whole field and not find a single shed. But then if you find that one area where the bucks like to lay down at night um, after feeding, you can just... It's unbelievable how many sheds sometimes you can find. Um, so we like to focus on kind of those areas. If you can figure out where the deer bed at night, those areas are awesome. I, that's what I found. Are, those you, are you talking like buffer strips and field yeah, edge yeah, grasses? Like that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, sometimes like buffer strips and stuff like that. And a lot of times they'll be slightly elevated. Um, like, for example, there is one a spot where a ridge came off. You know, there's this, a, a long draw finger kind of that came into the field. And then there was like a little ridge that kind of jutted out. It was just like a little finger of, of trees that jutted out into a, the middle of a cornfield. And then it kind of made like a grassy little point on the end of it that was slightly elevated from the field. Um, and we walked that and I think it was within probably a hundred yards, there were six sheds. And that was, that was January like 25th. So that's, that early in the year and there were six sheds laying there which Jeez. is pretty crazy and so like if you can find those areas where deer bed at night i love those areas and so like or like terraces stuff like that i don't know why they shed on those things so easily but they seem to just like be magnets for for sheds and a lot of farmers will tell you the same thing have you found the same thing to be true where you're at dan yeah i you know 
I I'll be honest. I haven't found a lot of sheds in fields. I've I found some you know on some buffer strips. I found some on some field edges, but a majority of the sheds over over the years that I've uh, found have been in the bedding areas or on in the transition uh, pieces between the food and bed. Yeah, I, I've kind of found the same thing. I found a handful in fields. But most of them tend to be like you mentioned. Well, both of you, where, where they're bedded, seems you know. And I guess that makes sense because these deer are probably spending the majority of their time bedded. During a, a greater portion of their day is spent bedded than out in a food source or right next to that food source. So it makes sense that these deer finding those bedding locations near the food where they're bedded down for those longer periods of time. That's that's where it's most likely. Um, you know, another uh, another type of spot that lots of people talk about finding sheds are places where deer jump, where if they have to jump over a fence or jump over a creek. Um, have you ever found a shed in a situation like that, Ross? Yeah, oh yeah, fences are great, but that doesn't mean they're like, you know, you can ch- check a several hundred fence crossings and not find a shed, but a lot of times they do shed at fence jumps and fence crossings, and those are always good places to look. But you got to check a lot of them just to find that one in most cases. Yeah. So, yeah, those are definitely great places to look. Yeah, it hasn't worked out for me yet. But didn't wasn't I with you, Dan, once when you found one like that? Yeah. Um, it was the same day you found your big one, your biggest shed. Yeah. Uh, it was like 30 or 40 minutes later when we were kind of, you know, saying, screw this area because there was still a lot of snow on that uh, north-facing slope. We're like, let's just get to where this the field uh, the field edges are, and we'll go from there. And uh, sure enough, right where we crossed was, uh, was a shed. Speaking of that, speaking of like, you know, when you start getting like, uh, screw this area, we've been walking forever, haven't seen anything or whatever. One of my biggest challenges when it comes to shed hunting is on those days or those long periods of time where you're not finding anything. So like you've walked 10 hours, you've walked from seven in the morning till five at night or whatever it is. And you've just put miles on the boots and you haven't found a thing. And like, at least for me, after so many, I don't know, after some certain period of time, five, six, seven hours, somewhere around there, I start getting this voice in the back of my head that starts getting me a little frustrated or, you know, stressed out that you're not going to find anything at all. You drove all the way to Iowa and you're not going to come home with a single antler, blah, blah, blah. And it gets, it's, it gets a little bit hard sometimes to focus or to stay positive. Um, and I don't think I'm the only one that feels that way. I've seen a lot of my other buddies get frustrated or stressed out if things aren't going their way. Um, do either one of you guys have any advice for keeping, uh, keeping focused and having a positive attitude during shedding? Because if I found anything, it's that one of the most important things to be successful as a shed hunter is to maintain that positive attitude and focus because kind of just like deer hunting, right? It's, it always seems to be right when you least expect it, when you've been going forever and haven't found anything and think you'll never find anything. If you end up being paying attention, that'll be the chance you have to actually find the big one. Uh, I found that to be true. Have either one of you guys internally developed some kind of way to just stay positive or, or do you guys have the same issues I've had in the past? I just changing it up. If you start getting getting down or or having a, a bad streak, usually just changing a change of scenery helps tremendously. But there's been times when you can walk certain properties and walk them and walk them and walk them. There's deer sign everywhere. And it's so discouraging because you're not finding anything. And a lot of times the best thing to do is just to 
change it up instead of, you know, to keep walking and, and maybe get start slacking on, on, uh, you know, like you're searching and stuff like that. And I know I've, I've gotten in, <laughs> I know I've gotten bummed out and, and, uh, discouraged a lot of times and, and I'm sure I've walked past a ton of sheds because of that. So I would always say just change it up and just go somewhere else and do something different. That's, uh, that's what I would usually do. Yeah. What about you, Dan? I, I'm always thinking about, I'm, I'm, it's like my brain's running at two different speeds. I have my shed hunting speed where I'm looking for the characteristics of an antler the entire time, but then I'm also start, you know, I start to look up in the sky. Like I'm looking for trees to, to potentially, if I see like a scrape or a rub, I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to, I start looking up and I, 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 I switch my focus from shed hunting to deer hunting. And then I got to refocus and be like, okay, well, you've walked, 50 yards with your head in the sky, <laughs> you're not going to find any, you know, you're not going to find anything or, um, or I, 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 you know, life is busy these days. So I start, you know, you, you think about something that's completely not deer hunting related, but I mean, that's one reason I really like shed hunting is for the pure fact to get outside, stretch your legs and just lose yourself. And you're not, you're not really thinking about anything per se, putting a lot of energy and thought process to one particular thing. It's just, you're walking and you're, it's almost like you're zoning out. Yeah, it's kind of therapeutic. Exactly. Yeah. I, uh, you know, to, to, I, I, well, number one, I've definitely done the same thing you've done, Dan. I always try to tell myself not to do that because like you said, it's, it's really easy to walk by a shed if you're staring at rubs and trees for potential tree stands, but it's hard not to given the fact that, you know, we're, our brains are always turned to deer hunting mode, trying to think of where should we hunt, where should we hang, all that kind of stuff. Um, right. but another small thing that helps me sometimes is just taking, not even necessarily changing scenery. Although I agree with you, Ross, I think that helps a lot. Also, just like taking a break, like if you're just like bumming out, like say, okay, you know, let's take 15 minutes, sit on a log, have a snack, drink some water. Just even a small thing like that has a way of just kind of refocusing and, and putting a pet back in your step after just taking some time away from constantly scanning for sheds and just joking with your buddies and stuff. Um, it always seems for me that I end up having that success after a little break like that just kind of gives me that extra burst, I suppose. So what... What about, you know, tips for just spotting sheds? I've heard a lot of different things, different types of advice for actually just being able to see these things. Um, do you have any, any advice? Have you found anything to help you, Ross, just in, in being able to see or spot more sheds? Man, I, you know, I don't know. I, I've just, over the, over the years, you just get, get the hang of knowing what to look for. You know, I, I, I don't know that I have like any advice for spotting them necessarily. Um, maybe Dan has some some better better ideas than I do. I think I would. I can't say I'm like the best at spotting sheds, you know, because I'm I kind of have ADD when I'm in the woods. And <laughs> Kendall's, I've even been standing next to sheds before when Kendall points them out at my feet. So if that if that shows anything, <laughs> but I I uh. Yeah, spotting sheds. I don't. I don't know. You 
you can just take a antler with you sometimes. You can throw it out in front of you, and you can just kind of see how it lands and get an idea of how it looks and stuff like that. And I know, I know Kendall and I have in the past, you know, even when we we train our dog, we'll put out, I'll put out some sheds, and and Kendall will, you know, she'll be maybe be waiting with the dog, and then we'll let Dee work for him, and Kendall kind of has to get the hang of spotting them too, and or we'll throw the the shed out in front of us when we're walking and kind of get an idea of how it looks and you can practice, you know, seeing how it lays and, and spotting out in front of you and stuff like that. But, but I don't know, besides that, I don't know if I, I don't really have too many tips as far as spotting them. I wouldn't say, I don't know. What about you, Dan? I just look for curves. Like, I don't know. It's hard. You know, it's, it's, I think it's more difficult when they're tines up, trying to, you know, it depends on where they're at, if they're in grass or, but if you really look at the surrounding of where a shed falls and if it's, I guess, big enough to where the, the tines are sticking up, you'll notice that it doesn't match anything that surrounds it unless it's like a, a darker chocolate colored rack. I mean, the, the lines of the shed are, are a little curved or, or they got some kind of uh, like smoothness or roundness to it where everything else is completely flat or straight or the grasses, you know, it never really, nothing really in the timber grows really like curved or smooth. So for me, it's easier for me to find an antler with tines down because that main beam um, just really gives it away. But when it's time tines up, it gives me, you know, a little bit more problems, but I still really, I still think that if you, yeah, and it just takes, it's one of those things where it just takes time, time and years of experience doing it that you can't beat. It's kind of like with, with actually trying to spot deer. I always say, you know, as a young deer hunter, you know, I was out there trying to spot a whole deer. I'd be out there scanning the woods, looking for an entire deer body. And that rarely, rarely ever happens. Many times it's actually, you spot an ear or you spot an eye or you spot the white patch on a throat or a flick of a tail. It's all about spotting these little pieces of a deer or like the, the flat horizontal back of the deer that stands out within a forest. Um, and that's kind of how I approach shed hunting. Like you kind of alluded to, Dan, it's about spotting the certain unique aspects of an antler that are different than the surroundings. So like you said, the, you know, the smoothness of an antler or the unique curvature the antlers seem to have. Another thing that always stands out to me is like the parallel, you know, if you've got like a three point side where there's three tines sticking up, you know, typically in nature, you don't see something that has three things all kind of going at the same angle, just like that, that kind of stands out for me. Um, so yeah, that's definitely something I would recommend is, is try to look for pieces and parts of antlers and uh, not necessarily focus on trying to see an entire antler because lots of times you're just not going to see that. It'll be, you know, something poking up over some leaves or that, you know, that little shine in the middle of a pile of brambles or whatever. Um, another thing that has, well, I'm not sure if it's ever worked for me personally, but I've always tried it. And I know other people it has worked for our friend, Peter uh, Ross. One time we were out there shed hunting the three of us and Corey and Kendall and maybe someone else. Um, and Peter walked into a cornfield and hadn't seen anything. And then he said, Hey, I'm going to do that thing where I change my perspective. And he knelt down on the ground to look. 
and then all of a sudden, just by kneeling, he all of a sudden spotted a shed that he didn't see otherwise. So I think that's actually a good idea, just changing how you're looking at an area, like either getting up high on something or getting down low or turning around and looking behind you. You know, you, you scanned the area walking forward, and you didn't see anything, but if you turn around and look where you came from, sometimes you'll spot a shed that you wouldn't have seen going the other way. Um, so those are a few things I've seen help um, just pick out some of those sheds that you might not normally find. Uh, but to to your point, Dan, a lot of it just comes down to experience and just developing that eye for it. It's it's uh, it becomes kind of you know uh, subconscious. You don't even think about it. It just your brain instantly connects a certain shape or color to a shed, and then before you know it, you you yell shed before you even really process the fact that there's an antler there. It just happens. Bingo, bango. Bingo, bango. <laughs> there's, there's nothing better than, than hearing someone yell out while you're shed hunting, or hopefully it's you finding, yelling out and, and seeing that shed. That is, that is an awesome feeling. So, I don't know, Dan. Do you have any other questions uh, for Ross or any other shed hunting tips that we haven't covered yet that we should? It's, it's not really uh, – I guess it's more of a uh, – you said your wife is pregnant right now. Yeah, she is. She's doing April. She is. Doing April. Yep. Okay. Is she and is she still packing on the miles with you right now? Oh yeah. She's yep, she's thirty three weeks and and uh she's still walking with me, so we're gonna still uh try to get in as much as we can in the next couple weeks, next few weeks. So if she finds them and you gotta come over and pick them up for her. <laughs> <laughs> no, she does she does really well. She's uh she can't go quite as far as she used to, but she does pretty pretty well. So it's uh it's been a lot of fun. I'm glad she got to she loves shed hunting as much as I do, so I'm glad she got to enjoy some of it so far this year. And I know the I know the little one is going to going to be uh finding some sheds at, at a very early age too. They'll be they'll be tagging along. That's going to be one lucky kid. He or she is being born into a great whitetail family, so I'm sure uh, they're going to enjoy some great shed hunting and deer hunting considering all the spots that you hunt and shed hunt. And I uh, I certainly wouldn't mind being your kid, Ross. <laughs> Will you adopt me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, That's why I moved to Iowa. I love deer. So. Yeah, and you... You, well, you, you, can, you can easily do that too, Mark, you know. I was just going to say... Days. I was just gonna say you never failed to remind me that uh, I certainly could move out there, which, which I think about a lot. That's for sure. Northwest um, yeah, Iowa. Just moved to North, Northwest Iowa. <laughs> Where they're at? Right there next to Minnesota, right? Right. <laughs> yeah, really close. Right, right on the border. <laughs> you can hunt both states. Perfect. Perfect. So, so here's my final question for you, Ross, and and you too, Dan. Do you remember your best day of shed hunting ever? And if so, tell me about that day. Ross, can you think of that? Do you have your best day, top of mind? Yeah, the best day was, I'd say the best weekend was when you were down. That was awesome. That was an awesome weekend. We we did awesome that weekend. Best day was last year. Um, Kendall and I had this spot we called the Glory Hole. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's, it's that good. It's, it's awesome. <laughs> and uh so so it we wasn't uh, in a truck stop was it <laughs> no but it's good okay. and uh so yeah we last year and i guess one of my tips too 
since I've, this story's come up, would be if people are looking for places to look for sheds, don't think you have to be by timber. Don't think you have to be by any cover or woods because deer travel a long ways at night sometimes. And they'll even, for some reason, I don't know exactly why, they'll bypass. There might be a timber where they're bedding. They'll bed in that timber and they'll walk through, you know, a huge cornfield that has plenty of waste, plenty of corn fine to, to feed on. They'll travel through that cornfield to reach some different destination field for some reason. They, they do it year after year after year, and I don't know why they do that, but there's the glory hole, and it's in the middle of the middle of uh, a couple rows. There's no timber anywhere nearby, but just from getting to know the area pretty well and, and learning it, um, a lot of the deer travel pretty, I mean, they travel like a mile, maybe even some of these deer travel even further than that to get to this, this cornfield. It's just like a destination cornfield. So last year we, we walked it in the, in the one afternoon. It was a great afternoon. It was sunny, which isn't ideal for finding sheds, obviously, but it was, it was warm. One of those days where it's in March and you'll still get a sunburn. And we walked and walked and walked and, uh, we just were picking up shed after shed after shed to the point where it got to be midday, we had to walk back to the truck, dump all our sheds, eat some lunch, and then head back out. So we had some hands that were free and didn't have to carry as many things because our arms were getting tired. Headed back out, picked up more sheds, and uh, that day we ended up finding 15 in one day. Uh, and it was a it was an awesome day. And we had to put in our work for it. Like we walked, I bet you, man, I don't know how many miles we walked. We probably walked eight miles, I would say, back and forth and all this stuff. But it was it was an awesome day. And uh hopefully we're gonna walk the glory hole. We're gonna walk the glory hole next this coming Sunday, I think. And then um it's beans though, but then the next year it's it hopefully will repeat itself and it'll be another good day. So uh, that how, was my that was my best day. How come Ross, how come you never take me in court to the glory hole? <laughs> Yeah, they only. Yeah, <laughs> I'm kidding. I know you got response. <laughs> no, oh yeah, you guys are more than welcome. I'm going to walk it Sunday, but you're more than welcome. Welcome to walk it the second time. Okay, okay. What about what about you, Dan? Do you have a do you have a day that stands out above all the rest? Yeah, I tell you, one of my best days I've ever uh, had was I left work at about two o'clock, and it was probably an hour and a half shed hunt. And it was this like a peninsula that sticks out into a cornfield where the the deer come out of this this bigger chunk of timber and this peninsula kind of jets into a cornfield and I I only walked for probably an hour and a half and you know got down there got an hour and a half walk in before um, I, I had to head back home because I was going to uh, shed hunt the entire next day. But I walked in, I found like my second or big, uh, second or third biggest shed I've ever found. And my biggest match shed, uh, my biggest match set that I've ever found, uh, both in the same, same walk within 40 minutes of each other. And then I found uh, one other smaller shed. But as far as most amount of inches in one walk that by far was like 2013, I think. Nice. That's, that's pretty yeah. good. Find some big ones like that. 
yeah. So it was uh, it was a fun it was a fun day just because it was such a short walk. It was like boom, you know, 10, 15 minutes later, boom, 10, 15 minutes later, match set. That's awesome. Yeah. So gotta gotta appreciate those days because they don't come too often for most of us at least. That's right. Yeah, I, I still haven't had any like crazy awesome day. Um, I think the most I've ever found in a day was one of those, maybe that year, two years ago with you, Ross, again, I think, I think maybe I pulled like four or five that day. Um, that's probably my best day, but my, my day with you, Dan, where I, well, the day before I fell through the ice into a river and then the next day I found my biggest shed. That was a pretty good trip. That one stands out for me too. So (laughs) yeah, good times. That's for sure. Well, uh, I'm thinking, I'm thinking we should wrap this up. So Ross, we uh, appreciate you joining us here on the show to, to share your shed hunting expertise and all that. And uh, I hope one of these days that the three of us can get together and do a shed hunt at some point. Wouldn't that be a good good idea? Sounds good to me. Oh, yeah, of course. Looking forward to to uh, you guys coming down too here soon and getting out walking and it'll be a good time. Absolutely. I'm, I'm looking as, forward well, to it. As long as Corey doesn't bail, you know. But, <laughs> hey, more, it'll be more, more for... Uh, the rest of us, I suppose. But you never know. We'll have to set some stuff up. Yeah, definitely. All right, Ross. Well, thanks so much. We'll uh, we'll hopefully bring you on next time after uh, we all found a whole bunch of sheds on one of these trips in the future. Have a good one, Ross. All right. Sounds good. Bye, guys. All right. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation as much as we did. It was just a lot of fun talking sheds with Ross, and i got to be honest, it's got me pretty fired up to start walking, so I'll actually be heading out this Saturday, and uh, I'm pretty pumped. Now, before we do wrap things up, though, we need to pause very briefly for a word from our sponsors of this episode, Trophy Ridge, and I wanted to specifically mention a Trophy Ridge product, the Static Stabilizer, that I switched to a number of years ago and found to make a big difference. And really, it's this idea of a stabilizer and what it can do for you that I wanted to mention here today. Now, if you're not already using some kind of stabilizer for your bow, this is something you really need to try. As it, it's a tool that can immediately improve your accuracy. And a stabilizer does this by adding weight to certain sections of your bow that will result in holding your bow steadier and that will reduce the chances of you actually torquing your bow to one side or the other. Now, I actually used a 6-inch stabilizer for a long time, but several years ago... While doing some reading, I learned about the benefits of a longer stabilizer. In particular, there was a study or a kind of field test by Field and Stream that showed that moving from a 6-inch stabilizer to a longer 10-inch stabilizer cut their long-range groups in half. So with that in mind, I switched from a 6-inch to a 9-inch static stabilizer by Trophy Ridge, and I too immediately saw improvements. So if you're looking for a very real way to improve your accuracy this year, try a longer stabilizer. And if you're specifically interested in learning about the options from Trophy Ridge, you can visit TrophyRidge.com. Now with that, I think we will shut this whole thing down. So thank you everyone for tuning in. And of course, we do need to thank the rest of our sponsors who help make this podcast possible. So big thank you to Sick Gear, Bear Archery, Redneck Blinds, Huntera Maps, Ozonics, Lacrosse Boots, and the Whitetail Institute of North America. And finally, again, thank you all for joining us today. I wish you all the luck in the world on your next shed hunting trip. And until next time, stay wired to hunt. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. 
Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more.